Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Joining us now on the Stoney and Jansen program, Jim Costa in for John Jansen, representing Bet Online, former Florida State quarterback, NFL quarterback. He is Danny Cannell. How are you? I'm great, Stoney. Uh, happy New Year to you guys. Jim, good catching up with you. I uh, cannot wait to catch up with you guys. It's crazy, though, how fast this college football season has come to a close. But still, I think we're going to get a fantastic finish here at the end. But it's great being on with you guys, as always. Uh, before we talk about the uh, the playoff, what bowl game uh, intrigues you the most that has no playoff implications? Well, there are two. Uh, one, and one I might be biased, extremely biased in, <laughs> and it's a game that takes place. Florida State's playing Oklahoma. So on my radio show on Sirius, I have a co-host, Dusty Dvorak, who played defensive tackle at Oklahoma. Oh, that's so, right. I have a ton at stake with him. I've been talking all kind of trash. The Seminoles just had a 9-3 and three year. Like, it feels like the Seminoles are heading the right direction. And I keep telling them this game terrifies me, though, because, like, Oklahoma's 6-6. Six and six. Florida State is supposed to win this game. The line keeps creeping up. It's, the Florida State's a 9.5-point favorite. And yet Oklahoma, like, they're just kind of playing like, all right, they have everything to gain if they could kind of salvage a season – get over 500 so it makes me nervous so I'm a little biased with that one but the other game that I'm really really intrigued to see what happens in is the Orange Bowl with Clemson taking on Tennessee this game is fascinating on so many levels and I know Hendon Hooker's not going to be there for Tennessee as he was of course hurt late in the season for the Vols but that offense I think is going to be be able to put up some big points against Clemson and then Clemson's storyline is really fascinating because I think it's got to be a weird dynamic for Clemson fans to watch the quarterback of the future in Cade Klubnick, who took over for DJ Uyungle in the ACC championship game. Like, if he goes out there and lights it up, which I think he will, I think Clemson fans got to be scratching their heads saying, why didn't we go to this quarterback earlier as, you know, DJ Uyungle got that extremely long lease from Dabo, letting him start for a two full seasons with subpar quarterback play. I wonder what Clemson fans are going to react if Cade Clubnick goes up there and puts on a show for the Tigers. Can Clemson stop the Joe Milton experience, though, as we know very well from his days here in Michigan? (laughs) Yes, that's right. That could be – hey, we know it's going to be a roller coaster ride, right? (laughs) We know that's what we're going to get. But I do think, like, him being able to watch him and Hooker and watch the way he executed that offense, I think he's grown some and matured some. But, yeah, I'm still definitely wondering uh, how the decision-making process will play out when it actually comes time to execute. Danny, let's talk about these playoff games. Michigan fans just taking the temperature locally. I think there's a confidence when it comes to the matchup with TCU. Should they be confident? 
Yes, they absolutely should. And the thing that has really jumped out to me is the mindset of this Michigan team. There's a confidence that comes from a new mindset. Like last year, and I thought it was refreshing that J.J. McCarthy said this after the Big Ten championship game. Last year when they beat Ohio State, and then they went on and they won the Big Ten, they went to the Orange Bowl and faced Georgia – Like, it felt like, oh, they had accomplished what they wanted to, which was beating Ohio State and winning a Big Ten. And then when they got to the playoff, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, there's more games left to play. And they got overwhelmed by Georgia last year in that Orange Bowl. This season, it's a new goal, a new mindset. J.J. McCarthy, like I mentioned, he said after they beat Iowa, he said, we're just getting started. We don't want to just win the Big Ten. We want to win a national championship. So I feel like this team has – feels like mentally they are just getting started. I think they think they're a better team last year. I think there's some debate on the defensive side of the ball, but mentally and the way they've kind of approached this season, I love the mindset. I don't think it's going to be an easy game by any means. I think TCU's offense can present some challenges just by scheme alone, but the physicality of Michigan I do think will be too much for the Horn Frogs. Do you th- how good is Duggan? He's pretty damn good. Like, I mean, he's a, he was a you know Heisman Trophy runner-up yep. for a reason. I, and it's interesting because their quarter, uh, you know, Michigan's offense. You guys are very familiar with it. I wouldn't say it's quarterback dependent. No, you want a quarterback who makes plays. And of course, against Ohio State, JJ showed the ability to hit on those big plays. But it's not like you're asking him to go out there and put up 400, 450 yards of total offense. With Max Duggan, they do rely on the quarterback a ton, and he's got some weapons. He's got a pretty good back in Kendra Miller who I do think Michigan will be able to control. And then he's got Quentin Johnston on the outside, and they thrive on the big play. They like to get chunks. They'll go fast at you. They'll go no huddle. And Max Duggan, he reminds me a little bit of Tim Tebow, the way he kind of efforts his team to a win. And in the Big 12 championship, that was on full display as he came up just short of winning the Big 12 championship and completing the undefeated season. But if you watch, like, physically – He's not afraid to take on linebackers. He'll try to run you over. Uh, he's got an adequate arm where he can beat you down the field. But it's really the intangibles. That's where I compare him to Tebow, that leadership of everyone in the team believes in him, that he can get it done. And what's pretty crazy is he wasn't even the starting quarterback to get you know at the start right. of the season. He yep. lost out in the starting quarterback gig. And then, of course, he takes over the, uh, the job due to injury, and the rest is history. Danny, I think TCU deserves to be here, so don't take this the wrong way. But when I've watched them this season, they feel very fortunate at the same time. Being like a, the Vikings. A little something bit, with that purple. Yeah, it's a great analogy. The, it's, it's something yeah. with the purple. Whether it was the Kansas game, and a, you know, they beat a backup QB. They need to go to double OT to, to beat Oklahoma State. They, another backup QB situation, Kansas State. You get credit when you find ways to win these games, but I don't view them on the same level as I do a Michigan or a Georgia. So when you look at Sonny Dykes in his first year at TCU, what kind of team do you see? I see a team that's feisty. Like, you know, and it's kind of there that underdog that is fun to root for. I mean, you mentioned some of the one-possession games. How about the Baylor game? They were in Waco, needed that last-second field goal. But I do think, Jim, you chimed in with the Vikings, you know, comp. I think it's a pretty accurate comp. The Vikings find ways to win. At some point, you've got to give them credit for winning the games on their schedule. And I know, you know, Ohio State fans, they got in, so they don't have this beef. But Alabama, Nick Saban was very, you know, it was kind of funny watching him during the Big Ten Championship campaigning for the Crimson Tide. The points he was making was right. Like, they were right, those points he was making. We would be favored 
against the TCU. We would, we would be favored against Ohio State. We would be favored against these other teams. But if we just went off Vegas lines or we just went off the teams that looked the prettiest and looked the biggest and strongest, it would be Alabama every single year and probably Ohio State and Georgia as well. So I actually like the fact that the committee gave the opportunity for TCU to go against the big boys because in the greatest team sport known in this country, those teams find ways to win and they're gritty and they're tough and they're kind of a pain in the neck. Now, I absolutely think uh, Michigan could lean on them, but I also think they could find themselves in a tough battle in the fourth quarter. And that's when TCU is the most dangerous because They've been living in that territory all season long. So if they're down 10 points in the fourth quarter, they're like, no big deal. We'll come back. And so I think that's what makes them a really tough out. Someone should tell Saban that his team was favored against LSU and Tennessee. Yep. And yeah. we don't do things by <laughs> Vegas. We do things by the games themselves and the results. Uh, the second game, if Michigan wins, they'll play the winner, obviously, of Ohio State and Georgia. Does that have upset potential here? I think so. I actually love the Buckeyes with six and a half, and I think they could present some problems. There's been a couple teams in the last couple years that have beaten Ohio, uh, beaten Georgia. Last year in the SEC championship game, Alabama's Bryce Young had a monster game, and Alabama was able to win the SEC title before they ended up losing in the national championship game. But I'll remind you, they did have a couple receivers out uh, in that game, two 1,000-yard receivers, so they weren't quite at full strength. And then this season, I think there were two games that were by far Georgia's toughest ball games was the Tennessee game where they played in their backyard and had a slew of false start penalties that the crowd really sparked because Tennessee couldn't hear anything. But there were a couple plays where Tennessee had open receivers behind Georgia's defense that Hendon Hooker just uncharacteristically missed in that game. If he connects on one or two of those, I think that game has a completely different complexion And then in the SEC championship game where Georgia was a heavy favorite. Now, Georgia was not ever in danger of losing that game, but you saw whether it was Jaden Daniels before he got hurt or Garrett Nussmeyer who came in the second half, they were able to throw the football against Georgia's defense. And what does Ohio State like to do? They like to throw the football with one of the better quarterbacks in the country and C.J. Stroud. And even without Jackson Smith and Jigma, who really hasn't played much this year for the Buckeyes, They've got plenty of weapons with Ibuka and, and um, Marvin Harrison Jr., and they got depth at the running back position. So even without Travion Henderson, I think this is a system that can put up points against Georgia, and I think it could be an upset. I also think there's something dangerous about a team that gets second life. Like Ohio State's been given a mulligan. They thought their season was done, and they were out. But now all of a sudden they get into the playoffs. They're kind of playing with house money, which I think makes them dangerous. Are they tough enough? To go up against a team like Georgia, though, because that was that's been their mantra when it when it gets tough in the you know the trenches and things like that. That that's when they wilt. Yeah, that's where I think that's their biggest concern, and I think it's a legitimate concern because for two years now we've seen them bullied by the Michigan Wolverines, and Georgia is kind of a similar team as Michigan, right? They haven't gotten caught up in having a quarterback that throws for forty touchdowns, and you know you throw for four hundred yards a game. They're sort of a similar identity as Michigan. So I think George is going to watch that tape and be like, let's line it up and run it at them. But I don't think they've got as much offensive firepower as even Michigan does when I look at the offensive line. I mean, Michigan's offensive line was spectacular, you know, pushing Michigan, uh, pushing Ohio State off the ball. I don't know if Ohio State will be able to do what they did last year to Michigan and this year 
to some of the teams they've faced this year. So I actually think the Buckeyes will hold up. And plus, Ohio State's offensive line, I do think will have better success against uh, Georgia's defensive front, who hasn't been pressuring quarterbacks the way you would think. They were last at one point about seven weeks in the season in the SEC and sacking the quarterback. And I know that's not the only stat that matters, but I think C.J. Stroud should be protected pretty well. He's going to get pressure, but I don't think it'll be one where he's running for his life all night long. And if that's the case, I think they can find some ways to put up some points. I do think if Ohio State wins or keeps this game close, it'll be because they're able to put up points against Georgia's uh, defense. I don't think they're going to be able to just line up and stop Georgia's offense because of that physicality or lack of physicality that you mentioned. We're talking to Danny Cannell, Bet Online, C.J. Stroud. You've, you've brought him up a couple times. Can he play himself into the number one overall pick? What do you make of him as, as a QB prospect? So I think this game is massive for C.J. Stroud. I mean, I was looking at some of the draft boards the other day, and I would even say it's pretty similar as far as my evaluation. I think Bryce Young is sort of head and shoulders above every other quarterback, and I don't think C.J. Stroud could overtake that position, but I do think he could jump in front of some of these other quarterbacks who have really flashed just because they're physical specimens, and I'm talking about an Anthony Richardson at Florida who has not played much football, or a Will Levis who has played a lot of football but hasn't put out great film, but he's a physical specimen. C.J. Stroud, on the other hand, has all the stats, but against the tougher competition, he has not flashed. He hasn't been able to step up to the plate. And you know that the NFL scouts are going to want to see him against this Georgia defense, which is littered with NFL talent, and see how he does. If he has a monster game, I think it is huge for him because, first of all, you have the recency bias. Okay, we just saw this game. We can forget about the Michigan game. And you could see him go against NFL talent. So I think this game has massive draft implications for C.J. Stroud. Final thing I'm curious because I know you're, you, you, you love the game of college football so much. The portal this year with over 1,000 people in it, uh, how can we – I don't know. It, it's good for some of the kids, but obviously some don't even get picked after they go in the portal. What, what would you do to change it? Man, I tell you what, Sony, it's a it's a problem, and you know you mentioned that I was up to two thousand, oh, and wow. so it, there, it was up to nineteen hundred and fifty, <sighs> and so far five hundred and forty have committed to new schools. So there's still, as we sit here today, there's over fourteen hundred players in the portal that have not committed to another school. There's going to be a lot of players who are left without a spot. But to me, it's, it's not only about players getting left without a spot. It's about roster management, and it's just a complete mess. And I feel bad. No one feels bad for coaches, right, because they make you know, millions of dollars, right. so there's not much sympathy for them. But if you just look at it from how do you run an organization, how do you manage a roster that has 85 scholarships when you don't even know like, how many of your guys are returning and you have to re-recruit your own players before you even start considering other players, It's just a mess, and there has to be some structure and some regulation, and I hope somebody – everyone's kind of looking at each other. You know the Spider-Man meme that has the Spider-Man pointing at each other? Everyone's kind of looking and pointing at each other and pointing the finger of blame or accusing other guys of poaching stuff, but no one is stepping up to the plate with ideas or regulations or even an entity like that's going to run college football because that's even up in the air. The NCAA has lost all power. The college football playoff runs the playoff, and they've got all the money – but no one is setting up the structure. I do think we're headed to a place where you'll see these players more like employees. I don't know if they go all out employees, but I do think they'll sign multi-year contracts that will be called scholarships, but maybe there's cash payment involved where they'll be tied to a school for multiple years. And if they do decide to leave, 
there's got to be something given to the school they leave, whether it's, you know, and on the flip side, though, there's a danger there because if you go down that route, they could get cut. Players could get cut <laughs> from a program. You know, it's just, yeah. it's, yeah. I'm, I'm talking myself in circles because I don't even know where to go with it, but it's a massive problem that nobody's stepped up to the plate and really come up with a good solution. Danny, thanks a lot. As always, we do appreciate it. Happy New Year, and we'll talk to you down the road. You too, man. Happy New Year and enjoy all the games. All right. Uh, Danny Cannell, join us on the Stoney and Jansen program, 97.1 The Ticket. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.